You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. Brandon Clark, one of your hosts here with... Um, John Clark, I believe, still. (laughs) He's not quite sure. (laughs) Who am I? Do you know who I am? (laughs) We're having a great conversation this morning. We've talked with Karen Potter of Covenant Eyes about intentional parenting. We've talked with Father Kyle Metzger about a great Lenten program that they've been doing using the... uh, what do we call models, the Lenten models of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Had some reflection on how we can bring that into our last couple weeks of Lent. We talked about the NDSU versus UND bike race. And now we're going to talk about a great topic, masculinity. And John, I I really think that to a degree there's a crisis of masculinity in our culture today. I think it's a confusion almost. I mean, I think um, as we grow as men, we get so many different messages that um, we really just don't know which way to turn. Um, and uh, I think this is a really good conversation for today as well as, you know, well, for our times, not just today. Yeah. Really, you know? yeah, absolutely. So we have Bill Donahue of the Theology of the Body Institute joining us, talking about tonic masculinity versus toxic masculinity. Good morning, Bill. Thanks for being on. Good morning. It's a privilege. Good to be with you. Okay, so many of us have heard about toxic masculinity, uh, and I've heard of a gin and tonic, uh, but what is tonic masculinity? Now you distracted me because I love a good gin and tonic. (laughs) But tonic, I I see it as a tonic is kind of this elixir. It's kind of a life-giving, vivacious experience, like a cold slap, you know, a good tonic. So when toxic masculinity went viral, I thought to myself, we got to get another hashtag going, tonic masculinity, because our masculinity doesn't have to be toxic. In fact, God designed it to be the tonic, life-giving and refreshing. Why did this toxic masculinity surface? Where did it come from? Oh, man. Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 for that. But <laughs> I think... Generally speaking, you know, we're in a fallen world. We're in a a battleground, we could say. John Paul II called uh, our own hearts a battlefield. So I think the good thing is God's designed for us, uh, you know, particularly masculine strengths, you know, our our virility. It can get corrupted when it's inverted. So our strength that's meant to be at the service of another, especially our wife and children, and women in general and children, has now become like we are the conqueror. And that's where toxic masculinity comes from. It's real, but it's an effect of the fall. The toxic, just in modern times, it seems to me that um, there was something or some event or some evolution in a sense to where our culture took the the negative um, connotation of masculinity and really built out in the media, in our culture, um, how, you know, there's where did when did where did this come from? I and mean, where did we where did all of a yeah. sudden we this is a bad thing? Mm, yeah, it, you know, the sense that it's gone viral is in recent you know years via social media, but it's gone viral since 
that original virus that's in the garden. We've, we've talked about a battle of the sexes forever. And that's this idea in a fallen world that there's a competition between men and women. So if it's a competition and it's about power, then there's always going to be a kind of battle. And strengths, which are meant to be at the service of the other, are always going to be twisted if they're, if they're, it's me. It's me conquering you, me being stronger than you, me, me having more power than you. I think with the rise of feminism in the sense of the first wave, second wave feminists, there was this sense that it's really about getting power back for men because men have abused power. I think we'd all admit we've, we haven't done a great job over the centuries of really being stewards of love and of the family. Sometimes we are definitely toxic. But when, when women think it's, a, it's about power, they start to hate their own femininity, their own fertility, their real power as mothers, and they try to appropriate and take it from men. And then men feel like they have to battle or be emasculated and get rid of their virility and their strength. So it's just become this real muddy mess right now where neither of us really know who we are as men or women, and neither of us are really living our authentic nature. If we did, we'd have that kind of beautiful balance and reciprocity of giving and receiving love. So that's what I mean when we say we need a tonic of masculinity, just as much as we need the tonic of femininity. Authentic, self-giving love that's not in competition, not out to, to win so much as to be won over by the love of the other. We're meant to be a gift for one another. You know, what's interesting about this power conversation, you know, in the in the new wave of feminism is that it is absolutely mm-hmm. the opposite of the Virgin Mary, right? We just, it was it, I think it was just a couple Fridays ago, we had the, we had the uh, solemnity of the Annunciation, right? Where, where Mary mm-hmm. said, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. And to me, that is perfect and beautiful femininity lived out. And so, as our culture gets this so confused, how can we look at the Virgin Mary and see what our lives should look like? Oh my gosh, that's a great, that's a great avenue to walk down. That's actually the, the golden key. Marian receptivity um, is a phrase we use at the Institute where we teach the theology of the body. St. John Paul's beautiful meditation on, on human love and, and life Mary's incredible, you know, Magnificat, her praising God for the great work he's done in her, is the antidote. Talk about power. Talk about influence. Talk about beauty. Mary is, is the summation of it all. She's the queen. She's the masterpiece of God and the most perfect creature. Why? Not because of her own merits and her own strength and dominance, but because of her great yes to let the Lord do unto her what he desires in love and trust. So we need to be like that. We need to, as men and as women, be more receptive, more open, more vulnerable, and say, Lord, complete the great work you've begun in me, in my manhood, in my womanhood. Help me come to full flowering. Mary shows us that by by taking our hearts and opening them up, letting the Lord come in, treasuring these things in our hearts, like Mary did in Luke's Gospel, right? She treasured all these things in her heart. Then our identity starts to blossom. It starts coming out of our humility rather than our pride. It starts recognized as a gift from God uh, and not something of our own creation. You know, when you say the words receptive, open, vulnerable, mm-hmm. as a man, sometimes it causes me to go, what? 
(laughs) That doesn't sound very masculine, right? In in what our our culture claims to be masculine today. But how can things like that actually help us Mm. to discover that true masculinity? Yeah, here's where we have to press in to the difference between stereotypes and archetypes. Mm. There's lots of masculine stereotypes out there, right? Like, you know, the Braveheart, the Gladiator, Thor, Captain Iron Man. Even the very names sound like it's all about the armor that I'm putting on. Those stereotypes of masculinity are really caricatures. The archetype of masculinity is starting with Christ, the beloved son, right? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus received that love from the Father. He received being a beloved son, which is the beginning of our masculinity, before Jesus did anything, conquered any hearts, you know, performed miracles, raised the dead. So this is the secret for a man, then. Recognize first, at the beginning of your day, every day, you're beloved. Not because of your acts, what you can do, you know, your, your LinkedIn profile, your, your accomplishments. You're beloved. And then from that, we start to rise. You know, it's funny, when we look back at some of these um, caricatures or stereotypes of masculinity, Braveheart, Gladiator, you know, Captain America, we actually recognize there's deep sensitivity and tenderness in their story, in the arc of the story, say, of Braveheart, is the love of Murren, right? In that story, he, it was about his love and wanting to start a family that he fought England. If you look at Gladiator, it was all about the love of his wife and children so brutally murdered. If you look at Captain America's arc in the Marvel Universe, it came back at the end in Endgame to his love for Peggy Carter, and marriage was his choice. I mean, when you look again at these epic masculine figures, you realize in the center is a heart that finally got pierced. You know, even Iron Man, Tony Stark's story from philanthropist Playboy, in the end, he lays down his life and and saves the world. That's a very Christ-like kind of act, and that's where it all comes down to, our hearts being open to that call to give ourselves. You know, it's interesting when we talk about this and we talk about true masculinity, it just seems like there's a, a missing piece in our culture and really, they, our culture seems to emasculate us. I wonder if you can speak to that here before we need to head to a quick break. Sure. You know, I think it, there is a great fear today of, of um, authentic masculinity. Why? Authentic masculinity is, is initiating. It is giving. It is gratuitous, unconditional love. It is laying down your life. It's, it's Jesus on the cross. And that kind of gushing love, that power that is really in, in the heart of a man can be a little overwhelming, you know, because what, is it, what does it call for? Uh, receiving that love, trusting that love. So out of this kind of fear of the fruitfulness that that can bring, the life-changing dynamic that can bring, we say, well, let's just kind of cut that off. You do you and I'll do me. But really, we're called to communion. If we lived our virility, our masculinity authentically, it would bring life. If woman lived her fertility, her femininity, it would bring life. And there's there's the rub. We're kind of afraid of life today. We're a little scared of the responsibility of love and babies and family because they're going to stretch us, break us open. And that's where we have to go, though. This is the life, the culture of life, JP2 predicted and called for. I think that really goes back to that vulnerability you were mentioning. It's tough to be vulnerable, Bill. Mm. Extremely, extremely hard. Yeah, very hard. But in, there's the secret. When we do become vulnerable, that's when life 
comes and life is, is born in us and starts to spread out into the world. If you're just tuning in, we're visiting with Bill Donahue of the Theology of the Body Institute about tonic masculinity versus toxic masculinity and how true masculinity can help bring about true femininity. And I think we're going to continue that conversation as we continue on Real Presence Live. So please stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. How can you know for sure that your loved one is in heaven? Well, the short answer is you can't. I'm Father Chris Alar, but you can have confident hope that they are saved because no matter when or how they died, even by suicide, you can pray and make sacrifices now to still help them accept God's final offer of grace. Jesus told St. Faustina, Call upon my mercy on behalf of sinners. I desire their salvation. When you pray with faith on behalf of some sinner, I will give him the grace of conversion. Wow, if you desire heaven for someone, God desires it even more. So do your part to help them get there. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Welcome back to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. We are pleased to be joined by Bill Donahue of the Theology of the Body Institute as we talk about tonic masculinity versus toxic masculinity, ultimately getting to what does authentic masculinity look like? And that's what we talked about before the break. And Bill, thanks for being with us and staying with us. You know, My pleasure. One of the things I think about is true masculinity and how that really has to be a great opportunity for women to be able to live out true femininity. And I hear this term called feminine genius. And I wonder if you can speak to how the two are related and how true masculinity really allows true femininity to bloom and grow and flourish. Sure. That's a beautiful phrase from John Paul the Great, uh, feminine genius, and his, uh, I believe it's the letter to women or, or on the dignity of women. 
And this all, all of this, this whole conversation, by the way, that we're having in, you know, April of 2022, it goes all the way back in seed form to Genesis. I mean, think about it, right? Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God makes man in his own image, after his own likeness, male and female, he created them. JP2 says that masculinity finds itself before femininity, and femininity understands and completes itself before masculinity. Like, this is the dance. So when a man is authentically who he is and lives his nature rightly, she can see herself clearly in, in light of him, and vice versa. So the feminine genius, the full flowering of a woman, right, allowing women to come to her full stature and maturity and blossom. If you go back to Genesis, you've got Adam in the garden, and in the Hebrew, there's these two really powerful words that, that Adam is sort of tasked with by God. And one is shamar, which is to sort of become a fence or a guard, like to guard and protect. And then you've got Adam's task from God to aboda, which is to cultivate the garden or care for the garden. Now think about this not in the sense of like geographical location, like the soil of the earth, but the garden of Eve, the woman. So... My task, my masculine strength, is to be a steward and guardian of her femininity. Not because so much I'm like stronger or better than her, but I'm a servant of love. I'm a steward of love. If I'm a guardian and a protector, she's safe. Um, and then if I cultivate life, if I really give myself, like the seed to the garden is the man to the woman, she completes her genius, which is receiving life, nourishing it, bringing it to full fruition. And I don't just mean biological children, I mean emotional and spiritual maturity, as well as physical. So if we are stewards of love and guardians of the family and give ourselves completely to it, right, it's not a job, it's a vocation, she receives that gushing love and feels safe, protected, and she can flourish, right? The garden can flourish. Any garden that we love, any, you know, think, think of an exquisite rose garden, it's protected by security fences, right? It's guarded and shielded. Why? Because what's inside is like dirty or bad or ugly? No, just the opposite. It's beautiful, fragrant, and and precious. And so the feminine genius is meant to be housed in the in the love of the man who can lift her up and treasure her. And that's how we both can kind of flourish. There's clear lines, complementary lines. I mean, the woman can be the female genius knowing what the man's role is and that's the, the vice versa for that matter. You know, we, it's kind of interesting. We talked about toxic masculinity versus tonic in today's reading bill um, from the prophet Daniel. Uh, there's a good example of that where the two judges uh, approach Suzanne and try to be toxic and she resists it. But on the way to her death, Daniel steps up and is the true man, the true tonic masculine example to say this isn't going to happen. Yeah, what a perfect story in God's providence to be on today in today's liturgy. You've got you've got two men who JP2 would call them really masters of suspicion who are appropriating and using women for their own lusts, right? And then, you know, when they're actually guilty, they want to throw that guilt onto her. So it's, it's a whole realm of lust and suspicion and appropriation and use. Those are historical or fallen men, John Paul II would say. But then you got Daniel, right? Daniel steps in, and this guy is a breeze from the Garden of Eden. He's, he's like original man. He's attentive, listening to the situation. He's empathetic and compassionate towards Susanna. And what woman doesn't love it when a man listened 
right? Harken in any guys who are listening to the show right now. When we really listen and, and open the ear of our hearts, uh, we hear what's really going on. So Daniel's willing to be vulnerable and maybe even look like a fool in this in this proceeding and say, wait, everybody slow down. Let's listen. And then literally redemption uh, happens. A life is saved. You know, I think there's another great example just from the gospel yesterday, right? Where the woman caught in adultery and how these men mm-hmm. sought to stone this woman. And yet Jesus mm-hmm. steps forward and draws a line in the sand. And they have yeah. that, that powerful encounter. I wonder if you can just, we have a couple minutes left, just talk about how living out our authentic masculinity and our authentic femininity ultimately leads us to a powerful encounter with Christ. Yeah, let's, let's, go, let's go deep into the heart of Scripture and deep into the heart of what it's actually revealing about us um, and Him. You know, in that scene, this is a... This is a hallmark moment for that woman, right? That woman who now, uh, given to the lust of men and her own lusts, right, falls into this broken historical drama of use and appropriation. Here comes the bridegroom, Jesus. Here comes the man after her own heart. This is the one she's been longing for, ultimately. So as Jesus steps into this situation, and rather than condemn woman or treat her as second class, you know, or just uh, as always some temptation or occasion of sin— he recognizes her beauty, her brokenness, and is willing to be that guardian, right? He's going to shamar. He's going to protect her. He forms that fence around her. And so we're seeing the paradigm now of if, if we really understand our nature as masculine and as feminine and live out our call as man and woman, we're not only, it's not only life-giving for us in the world, but we're getting a glimpse into the window of who God is. He's the bridegroom. The church is the bride. Now I understand, whoa, this, this changes my vision of God. God's not an overlord. God's not pointing fingers. God's not, like, condemning. God loves me passionately and intimately. So if I live out my nature, I start to see what it really means. Symbolically, it's pointing up to God's love for me. If husbands love their wives as Christ loved the Church, that's Ephesians 5, then we understand who God really is. Now, like, do the flip of this. If we don't live appropriately, right, if it is a competition and a battle of the sexes, if it's toxic, our vision of God is screwed up. God is just the big guy, demanding obscure rules and mm-hmm. right, throwing commandments around just arbitrarily. So honestly, living out our sexuality appropriately becomes a stained glass window, right, a portal through which we can look and see the mystery of who God really is, a lover who yeah. loves us intimately and exclusively. Absolutely. 30 seconds, Bill. Uh, talk about Rise, because I think this really gets at, especially men listening, mm. those that archetype aspect. Oh, man, what a privilege. If you go to uh, menriseup.org, Chris Stefanik is now housing it. He and I were able to build out this beautiful 30-day program. What we do for men is we move through the four stages, son, beloved, right, brother, called to love, spouse, and finally, father through personal testimonies and through daily videos, men are encouraged to discover their full stature, their full vocation as men at the service of love. Bill, thanks so much for being on with us. We really appreciate your time and this conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, God bless you. All right, well, we are at the end of the show, which means it's time to bring in Eli, the board op guy, to tell us what's coming up on tomorrow's Real Presence Live. Do you like that nickname, Eli? It's a different one. 
It, it has a nice ring to it, I think. And it, you know, flows together. <laughs> What's coming up tomorrow? All right. We've got another great show coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central here on the Real Presence Radio Network. That's hosted by Father Richard Kunst and Cindy Jennings coming to you live from St. James Church in Duluth, Minnesota. At 9.30 Central, it's your chance to call in with your questions during Straight Talk. Father Kunst will be ready and eager for those. Then Monica Hendrickson will take us on a dive through papal history and tell us about an exciting event coming up in the Diocese of Duluth. Plus, Stephanie Meyer will tell us about the gift of sacramental prep. All this and a whole lot more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's Tuesday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. Thanks, Eli. Well, John, uh, fantastic show. we got a couple minutes here. What's your takeaway? Well, I think I shared my takeaway, at least for the first three segments. I think this one would be really that um, there has to be an understanding. I, I, would have, I really would have enjoyed going in another segment or another half hour with him to talk about those four, the RISE program. Because I think where toxic masculinity can fall off the rails is when w- one of those four areas go awry. Yeah. So if we're going to be fatherhood, you know, take a look at fatherhood and how the toxic masculinity has really impacted that just due to the, due to the rise in single mothers. Yeah. Um, that's, that's off the rail. So yeah. I just, um, he was very fascinating. It's, uh, he's, it was really enjoyable. Yeah. So Therese, if you're listening, we would love to have Bill on again to uh, talk about those four different son, brother, spouse, and father archetypes. You know, the thing that sticks out to me was when Bill brought up Marian receptivity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about our conversation we had, I don't know, three, four months ago with Monsignor Gregory Schlesselman, and he talked about the book, The Read of God, and how Mary was receptive to the Lord's will. And there's a lot to ponder as a man in how, the Lord, how, how Mary not only received, but she pondered the things in her heart, right? She just was overcome by grace, and, uh, and chose to live for the Lord. And so I, I just love that idea of marrying rep- receptivity as a, a gateway, a window to see who we are called to be as men. And to go through her is, uh, is, the, is the path. Yeah. Let her, let, her, let her help you. Absolutely. So thanks for being with us today on Real Presence Live. Another great show tomorrow and all week because Real Presence Live comes to you every day, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Stay tuned for more great programming, including More to Life, coming up next on the Real Presence Radio Network. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.